Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. So you guys can sit back and relax. Um, but really quick, uh, Jeff and Jenny have been serving with us for, I don't know, a couple years now, maybe? Um, but if you don't know, Jeff and Jenny run our high school program. Uh, Pastor Jeff and Jenny, they run our high school program. And we have a pleasure of having one of our daughters in the high school program. And I will tell you this, that having a daughter that goes to the high school program that is there on a regular basis, watching their growth in their life, there is something amazing about sending your kids someplace that you know they're going to get challenged about God. They're going to get challenged about sharing their faith with their friends. They're going to be challenged about everything that they do. Like, hey, what you're doing in a good way isn't good enough. You need to be doing more. I love to listen to the girls share about like what they've talked about, about what's going on in high school and, and what they're sharing. And we have an amazing high school staff, and it's led by Jeff and Jenny. And I'm just honored to be able to serve alongside them and be a part of their family and friends with them. And so today, today you get to hear from Pastor Jeff and his heart. So let's welcome him up. So- Trying. I would prefer that one, just because... That would make me feel official. You see my color-coordinated shoes and shirt? Yeah. Jeff's always, always matching shirt and shoes. It's amazing. Being Pastor Jeff, or being named Jeff and a pastor, does never get confusing here. Our lead pastor is named Pastor Jeff, in case you didn't know. For the first several months of me attending, he would sometimes use first person up here. And I'd be shocked out of my state of like campfire and like, I didn't do anything. Like, what? He's just speaking about himself, not me specifically calling me out in the audience. Um, and the other few of you that are here wondering, like, thinking, like, I thought his name was Steve. No, that's my brother. So my brother plays guitar up here frequently. Um, just Jeff, um, AKA Steve's brother or as I was known in high school, Tim's brother. Do you like sports? Are you good at football? Are you good at math? No. Well, yes, but trying to break out of the shadows of my brothers has been difficult. Um, Like Jake said, my wife and I have been serving for nearly two years, mainly with the high school group in our youth ministry. Um, We feel it's a privilege. Um, It's something that we really enjoy. That doesn't mean it's always easy. Um. And this year, we got to go to our second summer camp with them. So I brought a couple of slides, not just from our high school camp, but from our junior high as well. So you can throw the first high school camp one up there when you get it. Um, this year, our high school group went to a town called Brookings in Oregon. Um, it's somewhere that my family has camped a lot. So it, it was familiar to me. And that's part of the reason why we chose this location. You see some of the highlights above. Bottom left is our whole team. And we brought 17 teens, seven leaders, and Greta. Greta, if you don't know, is my youngest daughter. Some of the daytime events included disc golf. Um, Some of the teens seemed experts at that. Some were like, what is disc golf? And then shout out to Luke Wintland, who could find any disc anywhere, no matter how far a teen threw it off the path into the bushes. Luke could find it. 
only returned with one mild case of poison oak after that also, RJ. Other events including a brief shopping excursion, tent camping, campfire time, um, daily devos. The high school group got to go to the ocean and the beach where we had some guitar serenades. Um, there was games played, relationships built, and a daily study about surprise boldness, which I'm going to share about today. We made it back safely with all the cars we brought. There was a little scare that Kelly's car wouldn't make it back, but we did. Junior high camp, as you can see up there, um, they went to Hat Creek, tent camped as well, and they had some great highlights. They did hiking Mount Lass and lava tubes. Um, they went to Bernie Falls and I believe the water park on the way home. And correct me if I'm wrong, I counted 23 students in one picture um, and five leaders um, all together. That makes 40 students that went to camps this year. Um, not long ago, we didn't have 40 students, so that's pretty amazing. Um, a quick shout out to parents who let us bring your kids. I know it's really hard to give your kid up for a week. Like You're like, dang, my kid's going to be gone. What shall I do? But, but thank you for letting them go out and trusting them in our hands. Um, thank you to all the leaders who made it happen. And those of you who behind the scenes gave um, financially supported students, you sponsored students to go, thank you guys. It means a lot. And none of this could happen without that, that backing from our church family. Um, over the past couple of years, it's been amazing to look back at like, how the Life Church youth group has grown. Um, Speaking of growth, it reminded me of this situation when I was a kid. Next to our fridge, there was a taller cabinet. And up above in that cabinet, my mom had just a, a lined sheet of like binder paper. But on that binder paper was each of my brother's names, and I have three brothers, so four of us. Down the left-hand side was just a series of numbers, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, out to 17. And on that sheet, she would write our heights. So she would track our growth every year. And, and, and it just kind of... Thinking about growth in the youth ministry kind of spurred this idea of, like, we don't see that daily growth happen. But every year, we would get to chart our growth. Like, mom would measure us, and we'd write down, like, 67 inches. Or, and, and being one of four brothers, there was never any comparison or, like, any quarrels about who was tallest at what age. No, you were measured at 16 years and three months, and I was measured at 16 years and only one month, so you had an advantage over me. There's never any of that, of course. But we didn't see that daily growth happen. We didn't see it grow weekly in our heights. But after a year, you could measure like significantly inches. And that's the same way that we grow spiritually and that I've seen in our youth group. I don't see it necessarily day to day. But looking back like to when we started serving with Jake and Julie and the team, to now, you can see those big jumps, those big changes. So, so when we first started, Jenny and I, um, specifically in the high school ministry, Jake and Julie were leading the youth group, and Andy and Kelly were, were involved in the high school ministry as well. It met on a separate day as junior high. Now we combine those two. So there was six adults, six strong adults, and the first week I attended, to the best of my recollection, we had five adults show up and two or three high schoolers. And I went home and told my wife, like, we have to alternate because there can't be more adults than high schoolers there. Like, we, I feel like we intimidate them and they're not going to want to come. 
So we would start alternating and, and try and reduce that number of scary adults so that when a new person did come, they wouldn't feel as intimidated. For many of those first few weeks, it was two to four high school girls specifically. It seemed like we had more girls than boys. After a while, a family came which had a couple boys and changed that group dynamic quite a bit because then we started to balance out. A second real growth spurt happened when our eighth graders promoted to high school last summer. So we've made that transition again. We promoted a second group of eighth graders up to high school. And now that group is really growing. On a normal Wednesday, you might see high teens to low 20s in the high school group. When it started out just a couple years ago, it, sometimes there was one. And Jake would be here like, I can't sit here with one teenage girl and have youth group. That doesn't make sense. Unfortunately, though, our junior high program kind of puts us to shame. They're often up in the 40-degree range and on a Wednesday night. So they're kicking strong and doing well as, as, just as the high school group is. When, again, not long ago, just a handful pastors' kids and other leaders' kids were the entirety of the youth group. With that growth in mind, um, just a shameless plug, we're always looking for people who want to invest into our teens as well. Um, Jake and I have talked several times over the past weeks, and the projections for this fall seem intimidating for what numbers could be in our high school ministry, and we always want adults who not necessarily are the most qualified people, but you're willing to serve the students and invest into their lives on a consistent basis. That would be a bold move on your part. That's a pun, in case you didn't get it. Bold is where we're going today. The theme of our camps was be bold. Um, a lot of you might have preconceived notions about what bold is. I know I did. When I was in fifth grade, my bold statement was not bold at all because my favorite color was hot pink. In the early 90s, that was everybody else's favorite color as well. So what would seem like a bold statement today if I wore hot pink in here, just blended into everybody else at that stage in game. So sometimes what we think is bold is actually just blending into the society or the crowd. But other times when we think of bold, we think of some of these terms that I pulled from Webster. Um, synonyms for what sometimes our definition for bold looks like. Audacity, brashness, disrespect, um, just being inconsiderate, um, having an arrogance, or conceitedness. Like these are some of the things that we apply to that word bold when that's not necessarily what it means at all times. Boldness does kind of have this negative connotation at times, but when we associate it with our faith, it doesn't have to have that negative aspect. We can still get out of control with it and take it too far, just like we could be in someone's face so strongly and so boldly that we drive them away from Christ. There is still balance, but I believe that in our Christian walk, boldness is a quality that God wants to give us. And boldness is something that we have to use with restraint, but it should be part of our Christian walk. Practice correctly, boldness can bring us confidence, courage, and freedom 
as we grow in Christ. So, so how do we acquire boldness becomes the first question that I wanted to kind of peek into. The first thing that we need to do to acquire boldness is seemingly simple, have a relationship with Christ. Most of you are like, that's pretty obvious. But then when we get into it, it's like, how do you do that? It's not like I can have a relationship with Christ. I can, I can have a relationship with Jake, who's physically right here in front of me, and we can go to lunch, and we can talk and discuss things. It's not the same with a godly being who is far superior in knowledge and everything else than I am. How do I communicate with him? How do I receive back from him? How do I interact with him daily? How does that relationship look, but then progress and grow? And then how do I share it with somebody else? Here's my friend God. And then we try to explain them, but the Bible says to people who don't know him, he's a mystery. So we get to the sticking point. So even as adults, like, how does this relationship progress? I can let you know, though, that in our students, I see demonstrations of their relationship with God growing. But I can't always tell you I know this person is secure in their relationship with Christ, but I can tell you I see evidences in their life that they have a relationship with Christ. And I see glimpses into their character that show me they're making the right choices in that relationship with Christ. Some of those things that I see, um, simply just in our youth ministry, I mean, I'm, I'm not invested in all of the youth's lives daily, but I see them a couple times a week. Some of them are invited to our house, and I see them more frequently where my kids do stuff with them. We try to be involved in their lives through camps and attending sporting events and plays and performances and stuff, but we don't always get to have intimate relationships with each one, but I do see in their lives, in many of their lives, a willingness to serve others, so to go out of their way and do something without any thought of getting something back. I'm just going to do this to be kind to them. There's a strong desire to know God's word. Students that I see in our youth group have a dedication to daily interactions with God's word. And as you can see from the team up here earlier, that they've been introduced to this idea of worship as a community. And I say introduction in that instance just because some of our youth have a strong foothold in worship, but some of them are like, why are you singing songs right now in youth group? We should be playing games. And they have no idea what's happening. So we're introducing this concept of worship and giving examples of what it is and teaching them what is worship and, and showing them through our actions and, and practicing what worship looks like. And there is evidences in those that first came and just stared at Julie and the team for the whole worship set, just like, what are they doing? There is evidences now in our ministry that they are participating. They're trying to sing the songs. They're trying to get along. They're not just eating their candy anymore, but they're actually involving themselves. One of my favorite evidences of growth that students are building a relationship with Christ is the Bibles. If you look specifically at our youth section, many of them have their Bible. And it's times like this when, when someone gets up to share a topic or a sermon or a lesson, you just see Bibles come out. You don't request it anymore. They just do it. Like their hunger is there. You, you see it by their action, like they don't just sit and observe, but they interact in those lessons. You see journals pop out and them writing stuff down and taking to heart what the Bible holds and trying to apply that to their lives. 
It started with a few, and it started with a lot of encouragement from Jake. But now I think that trend is starting to happen from student to student, matriculating down from them instead of from us, which is awesome to see. The younger students see the high school boys and girls bring their Bibles and bring their notebook, and the junior higher start to do it. They don't always know what to do with it at first, but after time, they start hooking it in and writing stuff down, and then they start doing it at home, and it continues. And the way that I see that, that's happening, and that they're gaining that relationship, is when we have conversations, when we ask a question, the answer in youth group is not just, Jesus, first thing, but they're thoughtful answers. They're, they're into the discussions, and they bring wisdom that applies. It shows that they're invested in their relationship with God outside of just the two half-hour sessions they get with Jake or I during the week. When we consider what it looks like to have a relationship with God, I think some of the most prominent figures to look at would be the disciples. Kind of makes sense. They lived with Jesus. They walked alongside of him. They observed the miracles. They heard the parables when Jesus taught the crowds. And they had that daily interaction that would be like, oh, if I was only there when the disciples lived, my life would be completely different. They're a great example of what to look like, what to look to, and what relationship with Christ looks like. But often the disciples had some thoughts that are a lot like ours. They were confused. They were lost. They didn't know what Jesus was saying. They didn't know why some people were healed or how miracles happened or we often see them confused, even though they had that daily interaction with Jesus. And we think, man, if I had that, I would be like, right on. We unfortunately don't have that opportunity to walk side by side with a physical body, Jesus, with us. But we can live in a relationship with Christ daily with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. But just because Jesus and his physical body is gone doesn't mean God isn't here with us in constant relationship and thriving inside of us. When I started thinking about what to share today, my mind kept going back to our series in Ephesians. So if you haven't been here, for a couple of months now, we've been going through Ephesians. And every time someone got up and spoke over the last few weeks since I knew it was going to be my turn coming, there was little hints that clicked in like, hey, that's part of that. That's part of what you're talking about. So I, I, I made it my endeavor to look back through the series in Ephesians. And I rewatched seven or eight of them, and I kind of fizzled out. So, Lana, whenever you watch this, I'm sorry. I didn't get all the way back to Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. But, but I set out to watch all these and, and just refresh my mind on what everyone was saying and how that tied in with where God's bringing our youth ministry and where God's bringing our church and how that ties in with boldness. Here's some of the things that were said over the, over the past few weeks. Todd brought, brought us this idea of togetherness last week. That when I stand alone and face the devil's attacks, it can be intimidating, it can be scary. But when I stand with all of you with me, and the devil attacks, it's less intimidating. So to, that togetherness brings a better sense of boldness. He, he spoke about it as an army battling against the evil one, we're stronger. Manny hit on the importance of family, and I have the word legacy written down. It, it, it reminded me of this um, song from a couple years back that I really liked. 
Because often I pray for my kids. I'm sure you guys pray for your kids. And we want them to, when they become adults, choose to have a relationship with Christ. But, but this song, The Blessing, that, that came up a few years back, talks about the Lord blessing us and all the great things he does for us. And then it says, pour that on to the next generation. And after that, and after that, and after that. So like the key line to me was, may his favor be upon you for a thousand generations. And your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. Often we think of like, Lord bless my kids. But we don't think like, at my age at least, Lord bless my grandkids, and my great-grandkids, and the generation after that, and after that. That's what God says in his word, that, when we're faithful to him and, and serve him and in relationship with him, he wants to bless that generation after generation after generation after generation and continue that on. And man, he spoke now when he talked about family, preparing our children to be like arrows. Pastor Jeff, not I, the other, Jeff Young, hit on to grow as a church, it would be amazing. Like the whole emphasis of Ephesians, I believe this might have been in chapter four, was growing as a church. That is amazing. But to see this corporate growth happen, we have to be invested in intimate relationships with smaller groups, with each other. We can't just come and think, man, it's great that the church is growing, but be isolated from that. We need to plug in with individuals and connect with people on a more intimate level and build relationships with them. Growing smaller groups and communities within that larger community. He spoke on our mandate as Christians is to love, and he used an example of the Word of God being a rudder for our life, to steer us. The Word of God is our center point, our balance, our focus, that, that, that brings our life stability. Chris talked about unity in the body, and Pastor Chris hit on a topic that I was covering in youth at the time, the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel has been open to all of us now. It's not just for a select group of people. But God wants to make himself known to all of us, every single person. No matter what your background, what your past look like, we're all fully included into God's plan. And Pastor Fred brought about the importance of the Holy Spirit and how that Holy Spirit is active today. And that's what brings us boldness, the Holy Spirit. All these things tie together, and, and, and the church in Ephesus got this, this letter that shows them how to be bold. It shows them how to live out the Christian relationship with Christ. And it's all these things tied together. It's not one or the other, but it's a series of things. And, it, and it we'll not be perfect at it. There'll be mistakes and there'll be folly, but when we're together, we can help each other out. When we're a family, we can bring each other together. When we have the Holy Spirit behind us, we have his strength and not our own. And it's the combination of all these things that help steer our lives and build the relationship with Christ. Second thing, in addition to creating a relationship with God, establishing that and growing that, we have to pray for boldness. We have to ask God for boldness. And the example here that I have for you is in Acts 4.23, Peter and John are praying for boldness. They were kind of in a hard circumstance at this time. They were being under question from the Sanhedrin for speaking the name of God, for talking about Jesus. They were put in a form of prison for the night, questioned as if they were on trial, 
and found eventually no guilt upon them, so they were released. But, but in Acts chapter 4, starting in 23, we see Peter and John, upon their release, went back to their own people. They reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, which is more or less, don't do that again or else. And when the people heard this, they raised their voices to God in prayer. So Peter and John were detained by the Sanhedrin for talking about Jesus, told, don't do this again or else. And their response with all the people was, hey, let's pray to Jesus. Like, they were bold. They had that boldness because they had a relationship with Christ. But they knew that that boldness came through the Holy Spirit. Think about Pentecost, which happens just before this. What happened at Pentecost? A bunch of people got together and prayed, and then they spoke in different languages. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. These things are all intertwined together. In this case and in ours, in Peter and John's case, and even still today, there's going to be adversity. When we speak the name of Jesus in our community, when we raise his voice, when we proclaim him, there's going to be trials. There's going to be things that come against us. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be adversity. But we need to know that because the Holy Spirit brings us that boldness, it's not us standing alone, but it's his power working through us. Like I said, Peter and John had just found themselves jailed for the night. It didn't seem to bother them much. But they knew of the consequences that went along with speaking the name of Jesus. The Sanhedrin couldn't find any fault in them. So eventually they were released. After, after praising God, so in their prayer, they praised God. They quoted some Psalms and remembered the scripture. They also recalled all of the things that were done to Jesus. So I'm going to skip down a couple of verses from 24 to 29. Within that part, the prayer is, is written out, and you can refer to that later. But in that prayer, Peter, John, and the group praise God. They quote scripture. And they remember what happened to Jesus. So they're not oblivious to what's happening. Just because they're being bold and proclaiming the name of Jesus, they're not just being reckless about it. In verse 29, we see at the end of their prayer, they sum it up like this. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So again, we see these things tied together. They're remembering the consequence of being bold. They're, they're, they're being aware of that situation. But when they pray, there's a response from God. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, which gives them the ability to speak boldly in the name of God. Peter and John knew the warnings of the Sanhedrin. They commanded them, basically, to stop speaking. They didn't ask them, hey, if you could like, not talk so loudly about Jesus. No, they said, stop this or else. There will be further consequence. Peter and John knew that Herod, Pilate, and the people 
had just weeks before plotted to kill Jesus and killed him. They knew that the persecution would continue. They knew that the resistance would stay. But they still spoke of Jesus boldly because they knew the reward of practicing boldness. And they knew that speaking boldness that the Holy Spirit gave gave them the power to do that. They dared to be different. Sanhedrin said, no, be the same as everybody else. Just settle down. But they dared to be different. That's my third. When we have a relationship with Christ, pray for boldness, but then be willing to be different. We have to be willing to be a voice to the lost, to share his truth. We have to share our experiences. Sometimes those experiences aren't good. But how Jesus carries us through them, that's what we need to be willing to share with people. Share the breakthroughs. We love sharing the breakthroughs with the teens. We love sharing the great things. We need to do that, not just with fellow believers. Share with your community. Share with people you interact with. What Jesus brought you through. Share the accomplishments. Be bold to speak who he is. Be a voice of love to your community. Be an example of grace. These are all things that would make us different than what society brings. Boldness is being different than the rest. It's not, bring, it's not being harsh or brash or arrogant or rude, but it's just about being different, setting yourself apart. And sometimes boldness as a Christian doesn't involve speaking at all. That's one of the hardest things for us to do. Sometimes boldness as a Christian involves us being silent. Think about any issue that's happening in society where you have two sides totally opposed. And they're each trying to voice their opinion as loud as they can to each other to prove to the other people they're right. Are they changing anyone's mind? Probably not. Do we need to involve ourselves in those situations as Christians, as people who are trying to promote grace and peace and love and kindness? Probably not. So the bold move in that case is to remove ourselves from that conversation. If something is being torn apart constantly, we don't need to join one side and start fighting for that unless God is telling us to do that, and that's one of our core stands. We know who wins in the end, so we don't have to fight about who the president is. We don't have to make known, like, who should have won or who did win or who was going to be next or anything like that. We don't have to worry about what masks do or don't do or go back and forth. It's just, does that promote Christ? Does that show people that I'm a Christian, that I'm loving them? Does that show people who God is? So in some instances, we just need to remove ourselves and step back, and, and that's so hard, but that's boldness. It's being different than everybody else. When the world tells us to 
seek a promotion, rise to the top, get more money, buy a bigger house, upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. Sometimes boldness is just not. Sometimes it's just doing your job. Praise Jesus. As if you're working for him, as if my boss were not Larry Johnson, as if it were God himself. Teach like I am employed by Christ. Raise my kids as if God is watching me. Not how society tells me. Not buy them a car because they want it. Not give them money because they want it. Not give, give, give because they want it. It makes them happy. But like Manny said, discipline. It's not always easy to be different, but we're called as Christians to be different. The good part is Christ gives us the boldness. The Holy Spirit gives us the boldness to be different. We don't have to do that on our own. Romans 12, 2, I don't have a slide for it, but do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. We have to be set apart from the world. That's where boldness is going to succeed in us. We do receive something for being bold. We, we receive confidence. We, we, receive, we receive a fearlessness. Hopefully we don't take that too far and become reckless with that fearlessness or in our confidence, take it too far and pound people into the ground. We, we have to have balance with that. And I hope I'm, hope I'm not jumping too far into this one. But Ephesians 6.18 and following. I'm not going to break it down or anything. I just, I just want to read it and let you guys see what it has to say. The boldness gives us the confidence. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, I feel like this is in our encompassing series of Ephesians, so I'm not going to dive into that, but the Holy Spirit gives us confidence. I couldn't do this on my own today. One of the great gifts of God that I enjoy is speaking ability. I couldn't always do this. Some of the youth know, some of the adults know. In fourth grade, I started to stutter. Long story short, I grew to the point in that stutter to where I just chose, I will talk to nobody. Because of my fear, was so great that I might stutter, I mentally chose, I just won't talk to anybody. It didn't make my mom very happy. It didn't build any relationships with anybody. But as you can see, through the Holy Spirit and what God has called me to do with my life, I can speak clearly. Acts 4 these verses are taken from before. So at the, at the beginning I read, when Peter and John get out of prison, here's the before story. 
This is, again, Holy Spirit giving us confidence and the ability to speak clearly. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which, which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed, standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Peter and John were ordinary men. I considered myself an ordinary person. If I was to describe myself, I wouldn't describe myself as bold. That would be one of the last words I chose. When I was called into the ministry, this idea came into my mind that I've always admired the youth pastors in my life and the people who invested in me into that pastor role, but I never saw myself taking that role. So I felt ordinary. I felt unqualified. I felt plain. That call started to come to fruition when I said, boldly, God, I'll go wherever you send me. To me, that was a bold statement. It was not said out loud, but just to God mentally. And it totally changed my life. And like I said with Peter and John, there are sometimes consequences with bold actions. The consequence for my bold action was, okay, I just told God I will do whatever he wants me to do and become a minister. How should I tell my fiancé that? How should I approach my parents with that? And in my mind, this is what ran through. My two older brothers have graduated college in four years. I'm going to tell them that's not going to happen with me. That's going to make me look unsuccessful. First person I told was my fiancé, Jenny. And she said, when I was in sixth grade, I was called to be a youth pastor's wife. Confirmation. Okay, that's great. Now my parents. I felt like this was partially like I've failed them as a kid. I'm not going to get through high or college in four years. It's going to mess things up. And they were 100% behind us. Yes, go do that. Jenny's parents, same thing. Our youth pastor at the time. I've known that for years. Well, thanks for telling me. Like, everybody we told was just confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. Things that when I took a bold step in my life and thought, uh-oh, now I have all these consequences and people to report to and tell them, hey, my life's going to change, and because of that, your life's going to change. All of them, confirmation from God, confirmation, confirmation. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's not just working in us, but like 
all these speakers have said over the past few weeks. It's a togetherness. It's combined. It's, it's unity. The Holy Spirit gives us that strength. But we're all standing here with each other together. Review these five things. Peter and John were ordinary men. They were unschooled. The difference in their lives, the boldness, came because they were with Jesus. Came because they were in relationship with him. They walked with him daily. They prayed for boldness. They asked God, help us. They were willing to be different. Even when society said, you can't do that, they were willing to be different. We need to establish a relationship with God as individuals, but then as a community as well. We need to pray for boldness in our lives to take it to the next level. Have the Holy Spirit empower us rather than me just going by myself makes a lot of difference. Be willing to be different. And when you do these things, you can go in confidence because the Holy Spirit now has empowered you to go. The Holy Spirit has empowered you to speak clearly. He'll give you what to say, when to say it, who to say it to. And most of the time you'll be like, but I don't know. You'll be the only one holding yourself back. And God will be like, go, tell them, go, go, go. And you'll be like, ah, I'm scared. But remember, it's his power working through us. It's not ourselves. Bow your heads with me. Father God, I ask that you would Impress upon us all today this challenge of, of being bold. It's not always easy for us to step outside of our comfort zone. It's not always easy for us to submit all that we are so that you can shine through. But encourage us as we go today to do a self-investigation of are we in relationship with you? Do we pray and ask your Holy Spirit to give us boldness, to give us the confidence to speak, speak clearly, speak your word? Are we willing to be different? Are we willing to stand out from our peer groups to show who you are to the world? And as we do those things, Lord God, as you impress upon our hearts to do those, give us the confidence, give us the fearlessness and give us the words to speak to our community. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys. Have a good day. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10:30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.